Imagine being pregnant with your first child and excited about being a parent. Or imagine being a parent and getting ready to deliver your third child and you're mistreated, misinformed, and not given the best services all because you don't fit the image of someone who deserves the best health care. It doesn't matter your race, economic status, or education. That's the story of many women, and the song is all too familiar for mothers in Delaware. Thanks to a series of bills that cover a multitude of health issues and concerns, there could be stronger services on the way, ensuring women and their children are always treated fairly. It's called the Delaware Momnibus, and Representative Melissa Minor Brown is 100% behind it. From the Delaware House Democratic Caucus, you're listening to Whip Count. I'd like to welcome Representative Melissa Minor Brown to the studio. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. By trade, you're a registered nurse and advocate committed to advancing health equity, particularly with a focus on Black maternal health. It's also important to share that you're working to improve the health of all women before, during, and after pregnancy. So I want to jump into some stats. From 2011 to 2018, Black women in Delaware accounted for only 25% of all births, yet represented 50% of all mothers who died in childbirth. Let's, let's talk about that. Explain. How can that happen? You know, it's interesting that you're asking how can it happen because it, it's something that shouldn't happen. But right now, what we know is that Black women are two to three times more likely to die um, during pregnancy and childbirth. And uh, the stats for, for Black infants is, is around the same. There are, I want to say the Black infant mortality rate is three times higher um, than white infants in Delaware. And for infant mortality, Delaware actually ranks 28th in the nation um, for, for infant mortality. And um, in the U.S. as a whole, the U.S. is one of uh, um, only 13 countries in which um, the Black maternal mortality rate is on the rise. And looking at Delaware, it's so small, there's so much that we can do to address these maternal and infant mortalities. Um, what we what we've seen just from the data from looking through progress notes um, post a mortality is that most times these deaths are preventable. Most times these deaths are preventable. Um, so that is why it's time to just take a look at how we can um, look to improve these um, maternal mortality rates, whether it's through legislation, um, projects throughout our state, um, and definitely educating uh, black women and, and their families on how to be their own advocate when they are pregnant or in the birthing suite. When you just said that some of these deaths are preventable, it made me think of some of the leading causes that play a role in maternal death, such as high blood pressure uh, or cardiovascular disease. And this is all according to the center's of disease control, the CDC, uh, is it that we are not women or Black women are not educated enough on different conditions like preeclampsia? Why is so, it that 
Yeah, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut so you why, off. Why mm-hmm. is it that when it comes to these deaths that many of them are preventable? Is it just a, is education a big factor? So, so education is a factor, but it's not the main factor. You know, when you think about, so it's funny because when in society, that's what you hear, like black women are educated on, on, on these conditions that can affect them during pregnancy. But we are, you got to remember, we choose a provider and we put our lives and our baby's lives in that provider's hands. And that provider is educated enough. And Mm -hmm. it takes me back to when I was 18 and pregnant. And I remember coming home from my um, doctor appointment, my my OBGYN appointment. And I was about 36 and a half weeks pregnant, I'll say. And my mom was a nursing assistant at the time before she became a nurse. And I remember her saying, what was your blood pressure? Because I was so swollen. I could not even make a fist. My hands were swollen. My cheeks were swollen. Yeah. I was, my feet were swollen. I had like three plus pitting edema. You could stick your finger in and look like Play-Doh because the fingerprint was stacked. And I remember telling my mom how high my blood pressure was. I didn't know it was high, right? I'm young. I'm 18. Yeah. You know, it was, I remember telling her it was like 210 over whatever. And she's like, well, what did your doctor say? And I said, he, he told me I need to lay down and put my feet up. And she's like, that's it. And I'm like, yeah. And, um, and anyway, so she jumped into, I mean, she was a nursing assistant, so she had some health knowledge, What she knew was that that blood pressure was too high. And I was not, when I left that doctor's office, that OBGYN's office, nobody had that conversation with me about my blood pressure being too high, but let's just say I ended up having a baby. Okay. As an emergency C-section because I had preeclampsia and all, it just happened so fast. She's like, I'm taking you to the hospital. You have, this is not good. What would have happened if she weren't my advocate? You know, I knew that something was wrong, but I, I wasn't the medical professional. I didn't know what was wrong, but preeclampsia it's, it's an onset of, of high blood pressure. Um, it usually, it can start like after 20 weeks of pregnant, but most commonly it occurs further along mm-hmm. in the pregnancy. And you start to notice that you're, you may be swelling in some areas and your blood pressure may be high. You, um, it can even go as far as shortness of breath or um, visual disturbances. But all, all of this is, is not right. And it increases um, the, the chance for an undesirable outcome for your pregnancy and for the baby if it's left untreated. And it can even present after pregnancy. We definitely need to educate women on their, their risk factors, especially black women are at a higher risk of contract or getting preeclampsia during a pregnancy. Uh So they should know about it. And they should know that when something doesn't feel right, it's probably not right. You need to talk to your doctor about it, but we also need to ensure that women are being heard when they're talking to their doctors. Yes. So this is just a wild guess, but I'm sure that experience and the stories of many others here in the state of Delaware uh, encourage you to introduce the 2022 Delaware Momnibus, which includes a series of at least seven bills. Yes. Let's talk about that. All right. So I'm going to first just talk about the bill that could be related to the situation I just told you about, um, high blood pressure, hypertension, but being your own advocate in the, at, while, you're at, while you're in the provider's office. Um, and what, one thing that I mentioned was being able to um, be heard for your provider to, to listen to you and take into account what your concerns or complaints are and not just brush you off. Mm-hmm. And a lot of that comes from um, bias. 
comes from bias, implicit bias. Uh, racism plays a big factor in that, which is why black women are dying from preventable um, occurrences faster than white women. But uh, one of the one of the bills in the omnibus is to uh, mandate that our, all of our hospitals and birthing centers um, provide an annual implicit and explicit bias training and evidence-based training to their staff. And I'm talking everybody from when you walk into the hospital, the greeter that works at the hospital, because that's, that is when your experience starts, when you walk into the door, the person behind the desk, the housekeeper, everyone needs this very important training because so many people say, I don't have bias, but if, if you can quickly say that, then you probably do. And yeah. you don't know that you do because you're being biased in the fact that you could probably benefit from bias training. So we need people to be able to look beyond just that patient sitting in front of them and be able to really take a holistic approach to, to providing care to people and, and just treating people like people. We need to be, we need to humanize <laughs> black women in labor and delivery, black women com complaining about you know, whatever issues they have during their pregnancy. And that, that goes so far, you know, we talk about the strong black woman and how we're always thought of being a strong black woman. And when we, when we get upset or when we advocate for ourselves, we may get loud. Now we're the angry black woman. We're the strong, angry black woman. Yeah. Right? We don't want to be that. We're not, we're not angry. We're just passionate, right? <laughs> we're passionate. <laughs> But we also don't want to have to always be the strong black woman. That goes back to way before our time, right? That goes back to today's when when we were in slavery and we had to be strong because we birthed a baby and you took our baby away from us. And how else how else do you live through that? But force yourself to be strong and resilient. So that comes from that. But at this point in our lives, we don't want to always be the strong black woman. We want to be the person that's listened to. We want to be treated with the same quality of care that white women are treated with. Yeah. So, so that is the one piece of um, legislation that's in the omnibus. Um, and so, as I mentioned, it your your omnibus includes a number of different bills. One bill actually touches on doulas. Why yeah. did you feel the need to introduce uh, that bill? Because studies have shown that the use of a doula during pregnancy improves outcomes. And we've seen it now during the Black maternal mortality crisis, this public health crisis, this epidemic, that when a Black woman utilizes a doula, her chances of survival during that pregnancy, her chances of her baby surviving and her not having an adverse experience are significantly higher. So one bill uh, tasks the um, Division of Medicaid to um, provide us to do the research and provide us with a report on how they are going to ensure that medic doulas can be reimbursed through Medicaid so that women can have women who are who have Medicaid can have access to a doula. Okay. There's another doula bill. There's another doula bill. Okay, two um, part. Mm -hmm. Yes, it's related to the Department of Corrections. Um, yes. and before, I get, <clears throat> before I get into that, let me just go back really quick. So the doula covers through Medicaid, that's the first step. But we still need to look at private insurance as well, because every woman deserves access to a doula. You know, we have to do this in steps, but we'll get there. But yeah. the other doula bill is related to Department of Corrections. And that bill, it uh, allows for the Department of Corrections to, um, well, to, yeah, basically to, to ensure that women who are pregnant and incarcerated have access to a doula or a midwife. And they can work with a dual or a midwife outside of the facility. 
but we are also having conversations with Department of Corrections about creating a doula program within the facility as well. So that women who reside or are under the um, under the supervision of Delaware Department of Corrections can have access to taking a doula program and getting certified so that they can give back once they're released from prison. And they can also, you know, utilize that certification while they are incarcerated as well. So it's 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 good. It's some good things going on within the Department of Corrections related to doulas. Now I understand you, this isn't the first time you advocated for women who are incarcerated. You uh, fought for women through another piece of legislation in the past so that they aren't shackled. Yes. And these are things that many of us don't think about. And I'm, I'm one, and I'm sorry to say that I just never thought that that was a problem. Not, not that it wasn't a problem. I never thought that existed, that women that it's were even shackled. A thing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's even a thing. I know it's something we don't think about until you start hearing stories about women tripping over shackles or talking to a woman who was released from prison and, and just hearing about the the mental the mental health impact that being shackled had on her when she walked into her OBGYN appointment at Christiana Care or at the hospital. Um, so yeah, so right now there was some legislation done a few years ago that ensured that a woman that the that the Department of Corrections could not shackle a woman while she was actually in the process of delivering her baby. That's great, but that's not enough. Okay, that should not even be a thing. No woman should have to deliver a baby shackled to a bed, ever. Mm-hmm. That is just inhumane, period. But this bill takes a little further. Let's not shackle women while they are pregnant. So this, this um, ensures that women who are in their second and third trimester pregnancy are not shackled. Women who are in labor, women who are transported to and from appointments, um, women who are postpartum are not shackled because that is still a problem, you know, and it not, mm-hmm. not just the physical impact, but the mental health impact that it can have on a person, let alone being under the supervision of the Department of Corrections. So let's look at how we can, you know, improve the mental health care, but also improve outcomes um, and not put this woman at any risk for um, harming herself or her child while she's pregnant. So no, we're not going to shackle these women. Yeah. What about any aid, any aid, uh, designed to help new parents? I mean, collectively, your bills will improve the healthy outcomes for families and infants. But what about mm-hmm. aid? So I can speak to the um, the TANF bill. So TANF, Temporary Assistance for Needy Families, mm-hmm. that is the, the person that is receiving any type of cash assistance um, or any financial assistance from the state. So currently, when you are receiving that assistance and you're not working, you have to prove that you have gone out and, and looked for a job, um, a certain amount of jobs per week. Well, that can be really strenuous for a person who's pregnant, especially in the later months of her pregnancy. So what this bill does is it exempts that woman from those work requirements, and it also exempts her postpartum up to six months. Um, and it also exempts the, the partner, not just the mom, but the, the dad as well, or the partner as well. Okay. Um, but what they're, what we do have, though, to supplement that, uh, we are working on educational programming that we can incorporate. So, no, she, she doesn't need to go out and work and, and because that's a stressor or look for a job because that's a stressor. But what we do, we will have some educational modules for her and for her um, and for the partner to review, which is pretty good because she can, um, you know, something like parenting classes 
support groups, lactation support, you know, back to sleep, you know, signs and symptoms of a, a not so healthy pregnancy, you know, just so, so many educational modules on pregnancy, on delivery, mm -hmm. on how to mindfulness during delivery, postpartum, how to seek help when you feel like it's needed. So all of that, I feel will improve outcomes and decrease our infant mortality rate because it's, it's educational. So that's like a win-win, I think. Um, and then there's another bill, the House Bill 234, which I actually filed last last session. And we are going to, I, I want to pass these bills at the same time. I want to, because it's a whole series of bills yes. and they, they come as a package. But um, House Bill 234 expands Medicaid to one year postpartum because right now we are cutting it off at 60 days. And that is just not enough time. That's not enough time. We've seen that. Uh, sometimes women don't even realize that they're experiencing postpartum depression until like nine months or beyond. So we need to make sure that they still have access to those resources so that they can get the help that they need and continue with, you know, their, their postpartum care and behavioral health care after they, they um, birth their child. So mm -hmm. let's be honest, like you're a nurse, right? By trade. How soon do you think it'll take uh, for the healthcare system in Delaware to actually be able to provide this kind of service, uh, one that's healthy and safe for all women? Well, I think we're, we're on the road to, you know, a good start. We're starting off pretty good with the legislation, the implicit bias training, but the fact that we're bringing awareness to this every day, we're doing something like it's Black Maternal Health Week. So we're we're doing more during Black Maternal Health Week to educate and bring awareness to the community on the struggles that Black women experience during pregnancy and postpartum. But we are talking about this every single day. And while if we just continue this conversation, you know what? They're not going to have a choice but to jump on board because they're going to be called out for it. They're going to, mm -hmm. women are going to know what they deserve when they walk into a hospital or an OBGYN's office. And the, the providers are going to know that they need to provide these services. Um, you know, like I said, when, when we talk about implicit bias and we talk about racism, it, it dates so far back. And unfortunately, you know, black women and men have really lost trust in the healthcare system. We've lost trust, but while we're talking about it, you know, the awareness piece, that's important. Do I mm -hmm. think that we're going to have changes overnight? No, because we've come a long way and we're still experiencing these issues, unfortunately, because I'm, for some reason, the color of your skin is more important than the providing quality health care or, or listening to a patient when they have concerns. But mm -hmm. I just want to say we're, we're headed in the right direction and I'm looking forward to reviewing the data year after year after year. Yes. And I'm looking forward to closing these gaps. Okay. Now, I, I and I don't want people to who, who are listening to think that, oh, this is just a horrible state to have a baby in. There are organizations working, right, around yes. the clock. Anyone you would like to shout out personally? So there's, there's a few. I'll start with, of course, the Delaware Healthy Mom and Infant Consortium, because I I'm on, I am an appointed member yeah. and I chair with Rita Landgraf, the uh, Social Determinants of Health Working Group. 
And we're, we're actually working on a pilot right now for homeless and housing unstable pregnant, unstable pregnant women. And what we, it's a two-year program where we connect them to stable housing and all of the resources. It's like unpacking the backpack, right? They come with a backpack full of just stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And I don't mean physical stuff. I'm talking about unmanaged healthcare, possibly the barriers that led to homelessness, whatever familial issues um, are associated with that. The things that you haven't gotten complete with since childhood, you know, who knows the childhood trauma, but we connect them to these resources and we kind of just wrap our arms around these women and one by one just begin to knock, just address these barriers and knock them down. And we have an educational component and we want these women to get to a point of sustainability after that two-year point. And, and if, not, if we're not there at two years and we continue to work with these women. So that right there will improve our infant mortality rate. It will improve our adverse experiences during um, labor and delivery and our homelessness. And then Tiffany Chalk, she chairs the um, Black Maternal Health Subcommittee under the uh, Delaware Healthy Mom and Infant Consortium. And they're doing a lot of work around Black maternal health as well and bringing awareness. And then I also chair the uh, doula working group, the doula ad hoc working group under the Delaware Healthy Mom and Infant Consortium. So we're doing lots of work around doulas to get the word out in the community on the importance of doulas, to get our providers on board so that they can have a working relationship with our doulas. And also, we want to get to the point where when a woman walks into an OBGYN office pregnant, her provider can say, hey, do you have a doula? Do you know what a doula is? Here's this registry with all of the doulas in our state call this number. You deserve to have a doula. Yeah. So we got to get to that point. And then also there's some other groups throughout the state, like black mothers in power. They're doing some work about around bringing awareness um, to the black maternal mortality crisis and infant mortality. And then there's a, there is a nonprofit organization It's called Harper's heart. Harper's heart is um, she works with, I forget the woman's name, but she works with, um, women, pregnant women, um, provides resources. I mean, just last week she gave out cribs and strollers and pampers. And I was like, oh my gosh, she's always doing these community baby showers. And and it's so awesome because these are the things that women need. And while she's doing these things, she's actually, um, educating women and providing those resources as well. And speaking of, um, community baby showers, there was actually a, um, I I don't know if it has happened yet or if it's coming up, but in Sussex County, which is an area that also um, really needs a lot of support, they just had a Black birthing expo. If they didn't have it yet, they're getting ready to have it, Um, but they're doing a Black birthing expo, which is really important because it's, it's bringing awareness to the issue that exists. And they also had a ton of resource tables that were going to be there to just provide women with that education around Black maternal health and and advocating for themselves. Mm -hmm. And I understand Black Maternal Health Week is celebrated April the 11th through the 17th. And it's much more than just a week of awareness. How can people keep up the momentum? What would you suggest? We have to keep talking about it. Mm -hmm. We just, we cannot stop the conversation just because we are you know, talking, we're, we're celebrating during the week saying, Hey, listen to black woman, women protect black women. Listen mm-hmm. to this, listen to us, listen to us, but we have to keep the conversation going. That's why the legislation has to happen. That's why these, these grassroots community groups have to continue. That's why 
we have to continue to educate women on how to advocate for themselves in the provider's office and have these conversations with providers and have these annual trainings on implicit bias because the conversation has to continue. And we're also doing some work under the African-American task force as well related okay. to black internal health that I'm really, really excited about. Um, and we'll talk about that another day because I don't want to put it out there too prematurely. But the main focus is listen to black women. Listen to black women. Any words of encouragement to a parent sitting home listening and they feel like they're not heard? Well, the first thing I'll say is I feel your pain because I've been there twice, right? Because when, when the data shows that a black woman with an advanced college degree is more likely to die during pregnancy and childbirth, than a white woman with less than a high school diploma, data does not lie. That's that's real data, it doesn't lie. So I would, and I, I've had that experience at 18 and pregnant, and then as a nurse, married and pregnant. So yes, we deal with bias every day. So what I will say is though, we were put on this earth to reproduce. And if you want to, um, Bear, if you want to get pregnant and you want to go through the birthing process and you want to have a child, then by all means you should. But what you want to do is you want to do your research and you want to be able to advocate for yourself. Know what to say when you walk into the provider's office. And if you feel like you're being brushed off, maybe that's not the provider for you. Do not ever walk away feeling like you are hopeless, feeling like you don't have any other options because you do. There's hope out there and there are options out there. So don't settle. If you walk out of that provider's office feeling like he, you weren't listened to or you were brushed off, then go home, get online, make some phone calls, call your friends, call me, Google me, call me. We will find you a provider that will listen to you and that will protect you and provide quality prenatal care and get you through that birthing process. So yeah. just remember, you, you, you do not have to hit a brick wall, knock yeah. it down. Yes, knock it down, Al. You know some folks are going to call you. So give us your email address so people can uh, contact. Good. I thought you were getting ready to say give us your number. Oh, <laughs> no. <give laughs> I don't want you sharing that either. But um, it's Melissa, M-E-L-I-S-S-A dot minor brown with no hyphen, M-I-N-O-R brown at Delaware.gov. It's the whole word Delaware.gov. And you call me or email me. Honestly, if you Google me, my, my, all of my personal information shows up. So you'll see my number there anyway. But um, give me a call and, or email me and I will make sure that you get connected with a provider that's going to value you and value your pregnancy and value your unborn baby. Now, next steps for Delaware Momnibus? Next steps? Okay, so the 2022 Momnibus, the next steps is to get it through the health committee voted on the floor in the house and over to the Senate to go through the same process and then signed into law. Um, and then after that, look forward to the 2023 Delaware Momnibus because we are going to continue to work towards addressing these disparities related to black maternal and infant mortality until the disparity no longer exists. Whip Count is brought to you by the Delaware House Democratic Caucus. Follow us on Facebook at facebook.com slash DE House Dems, on Twitter at DE House Dems, on Instagram also at DE House Dems. More episodes are coming, so make sure you're subscribed.